1981. A year full of important ends. Morning, signed the executive orders that triggered the hostages' release. And beginnings. On her father's arm, Lady Diana Spencer sets off to join the Prince of her heart. Some with lasting impacts. Political. Sandra O'Connor, almost certain to be the first woman justice in the history of the U.S. Supreme Court. Cultural. For nearly 3,000 years, man has searched for the lost art of the covenant. And both. The Bible speaks of the ark leveling mountains. And Place your left hand on the bay of Bible and raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Ronald Reagan, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. Hold up. There's something missing from this list. One of the most significant outcomes of 1981. And that's because in 1981, it didn't seem so significant. For starters, this story begins in Burlington, Vermont which at the time wasn't really on the radar of mainstream America. Burlington was, uh, was kind of a sleepy college town, you know, back then. It, was, it wasn't, you know, the, the progressive mecca. That's Phil Fiermonti, a key player in this story. Uh, I was a community organizer in Burlington way back uh, in 1980. This position, community organizer, comes from the ideology of Saul Alinsky. Saul Alinsky has become a national byword synonymous with poverty. He is the severest critic of the so-called establishment. Saul Alinsky, the founder of community organizing, you know, rather than, you know, intellectual left people, be, you know, leading the effort. Uh, we're not one of these uh, colonial powers like... Their job is to organize working people, low and moderate income people. We organize them so that they can have power, the ability to act have a place at the decision-making table. His notion always was that, you know, you, you meet people where they're at and organize around local issues and then, you know, move to, to larger kind of systemic economic issues. As a community organizer, Phil was heavily involved in local issues. It was around this time that he crossed paths with another young activist in Burlington, a guy who went by the name Bernard Sanders. You know, I knew of Bernie. I think uh, I, I had him sign a petition when I was a student at UVM. Uh, okay, so not the first time their paths crossed. Vermont, after all, is a small place. The second meeting was more than a petition, though. They didn't know it at the time, but it would change the course of their careers and the course of American politics. This is the story of Bernie Sanders' 1981 campaign for mayor of Burlington. When Phil met Bernie, he wasn't exactly seen throughout Vermont as a winning candidate. Now, Bernie had run for statewide office, I think, four times, you know, third-party effort. Bernie had been a member of the Liberty Union Party for most of the 70s. I don't think he ever got more than, maybe he got 6% once, I think 1% one time. By 1977, Bernie was tired. He left Liberty Union and swore off politics. His new career path would consist of making educational film strips. Good evening. My name is Bernard Sanders. The purpose of this program is twofold. To be clear, Bernie may have considered himself to be retired from politics, but all the videos he was making at this time were about his political heroes. It is very probable, especially if you are a young person, that you have never heard of Eugene Victor Debs. Over and over again, Debs raised the same basic issues as he denounced the capitalist economic system and fought for the socialist revolution. Why should working people support the socialist party? Because it is the only party unequivocally committed. I think to in 1980, economy. some of the people close to him said, "You know, Bernie, take a look at uh, your results in these statewide elections in Burlington. You did really well in in the low-income uh, working-class wards and wards two and three. You know, you might want to think about running for mayor." And I think Professor Richard Sugarman here at the university uh, was one of the people uh, taking a look at those numbers. 
At the time, Bernie was crashing on the couch of Sugarman's Burlington apartment. Together, in the fall of 1980, they went to the Burlington City Clerk's office and asked for the 1976 gubernatorial election results. And so he finally, uh, you know, he made the decision to run. At the same time, I had been hired by the King Street Youth Center uh, to be a community organizer for several different neighborhoods in Burlington. And I was hired to, to start these groups, knocking on doors, trying to identify local leaders, low and moderate income people. And we began organizing around local issues. So late 1980, Bernie learns that his policies appeal to low and moderate income Burlingtonians. Those who live in the same neighborhoods Phil is simultaneously working to organize. But we'll get back to that. First, let's talk about Burlington in 1980. Because as Phil said, the Burlington in this story is very different from Burlington today, or even the Burlington that I grew up in. It even looked pretty different. For starters, the Church Street Marketplace was still under construction. There was also no public access to the waterfront. It was just a collection of rail yards and storage containers, the surrounding area littered with abandoned petroleum tanks and other remnants of bygone industry. Politically, Burlington was a bit of an outlier. Vermont had been one of the most reliably Republican states since its admission to the Union, but Burlington was majority Democrat. Very much tied to the, to the business uh, establishment. The popular Gordon Paquette had served as mayor since 1971 and had never lost an election. It was a pretty comfortable establishment, uh, one-party city back then. Okay, so this is important. Phil's work in community organizing draws upon Alinsky's theories regarding social change also known as his 13 Rules for Radicals. Alinsky writes that society is divided into three class distinctions, the haves, the have-nots, and the have-a-little-want-mores, the latter being the middle class. So the haves and the have-nots are perpetually at odds, with the haves wanting to keep and the have-nots wanting to get. The have-a-little-want-mores are, with a few exceptions, mostly just sheep, according to Alinsky. So, if we apply this ideological framework to Burlington in 1980, Mayor Paquette's comfortable establishment represents the haves, who have pretty much gone unchallenged for the past decade. And that is where community organizers like Phil come in. Because, and I quote, the power of the have-nots rests only with their numbers. So, yeah, at the, at the same time that, that uh, we're doing the organizing in uh, five or six different neighborhoods uh, in Burlington, uh, Bernie Sanders decides to, to run for mayor, uh, and he you know, put together uh, an interesting group of people running his campaign, and, including you know, Professor Sugarman here at UVM, and a nutritionist, Linda Nydweski, and uh, Dick Sartell, who was a low-income guy at Franklin Square, who was a strong tenants advocate. Uh, Bernie ran a lot of uh, his campaign out of Franklin Square, which is a low-income uh, public uh, housing in, in Burlington's new North End. Residents of Franklin Square were happy to help Bernie take on Paquette. In fact, they were organizing independently at around the same time. This includes one famous demonstration that took place in early 1981. Uh, we we kind of checked the mayor's schedule and knew, knew that he had coffee with his city lieutenants uh, at Nectar's. Uh, I forget what it was. It was like every Tuesday at 9 o'clock. So we alerted the local press, uh, and we got our tenants from Franklin Square. I don't know, there were probably 15 people in Nectar's. And the press loved it. A few days later, the Burlington Free Press published an article which featured a large image of a surprised Mayor Paquette with his muffin and morning coffee sitting at a table that's surrounded by standing protesters. 
didn't help my relationship with Nectar for many years. Took a while to recover from that. Okay, so maybe that was the end of protesting inside Nectars. But across Burlington, attitudes were starting to change. You know, in each of these neighborhoods, there, you know, there was an undercurrent. People were frustrated. Uh, I think uh, City Hall, I think the incumbent mayor really kind of gotten out of touch around local issues. And of course, we had uh, some organizers on the ground helping people formulate their ideas, putting pressure on the mayor. Uh, and Bernie sort of quietly was knocking on doors. Although he wasn't a community organizer himself, Bernie was frequently working alongside Phil and others. As always, not surprising, everyone who knows Bernie now knows that he believes in grassroots uh, campaigning. I remember he had these, these ideas written up, uh, demonstrations. I remember Bernie marched with us outside City Hall. And Bernie's lack of experience with community organizing didn't matter all that much. In part because Phil's people were already on the ground doing the work for him but also because he possessed a unique ability, a sort of loophole in the Alinsky ideology. I can't think of anything more fundamental than communication because it doesn't matter what ideas you've got. It doesn't matter what you're trying to do. As long as you cannot communicate to the people, uh, that's the end of it. You might just as well have stayed in bed. Yeah, I would say that, you know, one of Bernie's uh, great strengths has been his ability to communicate effectively, and that was certainly evidenced uh, way back then. And by communication, I mean communicating within the experience. You know, talking to people, knocking on doors uh, about their issues. Because that's the only way people understand. Uh, if you go outside of their experience, they're lost, they're confused, uh, and they're fearful, and they withdraw. I remember him knocking on doors with people of French-Canadian background, and I don't know if it was his own immigrant roots. He seemed to have, like, this incredible kind of connection. These connections proved significant, especially as the March 3rd election day grew nearer. The neighborhood groups organized a debate at the Unitarian Church in Burlington, maybe a week, a week and a half before the election. It was Democrat Mayor Gordon Paquette debating three independent candidates, Richard Bove, Joe McGrath and Bernard Sanders. And uh, we probably had, I don't know, 200, 250 people from the different neighborhood groups out uh, at the church. And I think uh, Mayor Gordon Paquette was quite surprised. Up until this point, he didn't have any reason to think that this wasn't going to be another easy win for him. He hadn't even bothered to campaign. And that's probably why he seemed a little out of touch on the debate stage that night. He said in his opening remarks, I never realized there were so many neighborhood groups uh, in Burlington, and Bernie jumped on that. You have just em you, you have just embarrassed yourself. You've insulted these people. You don't even know that these neighborhood groups exist. Uh, you know, of course, everybody started cheering, and uh, so Bernie had a great night. Then came election day, March third, nineteen eighty-one. I can remember on the election day there were people at uh, intersections with Bernie signs, you know, giving the thumbs up. Um, which I think surprised a lot of people. I think the establishment had no idea that he was being as aggressive as he was in the neighborhood. And at the end of the day, all of Burlington waited patiently to hear the results. Uh, I went to the party. It was on uh, Prospect Street. Much to most people's surprise, it actually was a victory party. And I can remember Bernie coming in, and there's that very famous uh, photograph of uh, Bernie with his arms uh, raised high uh, coming in, and the place, place went wild. Bernie had won by just 22 votes. 
but at 2 a.m., his team requested a recount. They hadn't been permitted to observe the ballot counting in some wards. The recount put Bernie in the lead by just 10 votes. It was his first electoral win of his career. For Paquette, it was his first loss in his 23-year political career. That was, you know, that was definitely the, you know, the most significant uh, political upset in uh, certainly modern Vermont history. It was, it was huge and you know, really shocked the establishment. Mayor Sanders got a lot of attention recently, not only with his 10-vote victory out of about 9,500 votes cast, but mostly because he is a socialist. And everybody reading that article said, my goodness, how did this happen in good old conservative Vermont? There are other socialist mayors in America, but none quite like Bernie Sanders. His election, his... Perhaps the most telling is this blooper tape from right after Bernie won recently released by Vermont PBS. A consistent loser in previous quests for elective office, Bernard Sanders. Mr. Sanders was sworn in as mayor of Burlington on April 6th. Tonight, our Vermont report guest is Burlington Mayor Gordon... Uh, uh, <laughs> is that awful? Is that awful? I made the... Save that tape! Save the tape! That's right, save the tape.